On this episode of the Magic Business Podcast, you'll hear this and more. I mean, I've always wanted, you know, the wheel of death in the circus where the guy, you know, gets on the wheel. I always wanted to, uh, to do one of those, but in a hamster suit. Welcome to the Magic Business Podcast, where we share insightful and delightful inner secrets about the business of magic. This is where magic professionals present their real life experiences and their most guarded secrets to help further your career in the magical arts. I'm your host, Roland Sarlat, in partnership with themagicoracle.club, where you can hear all of our magic business podcasts. Today's guest has performed in TV in over 110 countries, starred at the Paris Crazy Horse, dazzled the Prince of Monaco at a Royal Command performance, headlined in Las Vegas, not at one casino, but in just about every single one of them. And if that's not enough, it was his performance on the second season of America's Got Talent that made him an international sensation. His shocking sawing illusion went viral with nearly 75 million views. Today, he is the closing act on the internationally touring The Illusionists, and for the last eight years has traveled with them, visiting way too many countries to even count, and continues to perform and create their largest showstoppers. He's updated and invented new classics of magic, like the Sawing in Half, the Bowling Ball Production, the Snow Animator, Coin and Bottle, Floating Rose, Chaplin Doll, and the Amputated Arm, and has more soon to be released. He's a modern Bautier de Colta. The largest names in magic perform his creations, and with all those credentials, he's still down to earth and always kind. Our oracle of the day is none other than Kevin James. Kevin, welcome to the Magic Oracle. Thanks, Roland. I want to transport you back a, a few decades. When you created this floating rose, did you have any idea how strong it would play or that you would still be performing it today? I had no idea. You know, you just never know how anything's going to happen. When you create something new, it's... It's uh, it started off as a uh, a way to try to to have a stage act. Uh, I was performing in restaurants and was trying to find something I could do in people's living rooms at my private parties. And uh, I thought, well, why not take something that I'm already getting a, a decent reaction with? And it was floating bill at the time I was doing a, at the tables in the restaurants and decided, uh, you know, that. Uh, that would be neat if I could expand it. And so that was kind of simmering in the back of my head. And then one day I saw a bartender make a, a paper rose for a customer and it just immediately clicked. I thought, well, you know, that could, you could do all the, the bill thing, you know, all the bill animation stuff in the beginning and then twist it into that flower and it could be flash paper. And then, so it actually all came together pretty quickly because I was already a threadhead and, had the routine basically <laughs> done and it was just kind of a finale for it. And, um, so it actually came together very quickly. And a friend of mine went to go see Copperfield the other day and, and he, and he asked him, he says, why are you still doing the floating rose in your act? And he says, well, I tried taking it out, but the audience won't let me. He basically said that out of all of his tricks that Copperfield has ever had in his show, that's the one that stayed in the longest. For you, is creativity nature or nurture? I think it's both. You know, I don't, I don't really have any particular formula uh, for coming up with ideas. I just try to live life with a, 
you know, an air of curiosity all the time. I, I just, I wake up every morning expecting to find something new and interesting that maybe I can massage into something for the show. And, and I just know that interesting things are going to happen. And, and I think it's about just, you know, Gaetan Bloom kind of led me into this way of thinking that, that, you know, just be curious about everything. Try to read as much as you can about all sorts of topics and you know, like, how does a light switch work? How does an airplane stay on the on the air, you know? I mean, just being curious about everything. And uh, sometimes I'll have a method, uh, you know, just an interesting method for something, but I don't have a trick or I don't have a premise. Sometimes I'll have a premise and not have a trick. Sometimes I'll have a piece of music that just makes me feel a certain way or I just saw a movie that had a great message and I think, oh, maybe I, I can find a way to tweak that for the show. And so there's just, you know, and sometimes I'll have a need in the middle of the show where like I need to transition from this scene to this scene or this trick to this trick. And so I need something to create, create something to put in the middle that'll help bridge the gap. And I try to, I try to find things that will uh, resonate, that will have certain emotions uh, pull out various emotions. I don't want the same emotion. I don't want to sing the same kind of song, you know, with every effect. So some things are nostalgic. Some are sweet and innocent. Other things are shocking. Other things are macabre. So uh, all with all with an air to humor, you know, keeping it kind of tongue in cheek and and fun. You know, just trying to find different emotions and different different feelings because that's basically what it is is we're just trying to make the audience feel things so when these ideas come to you do you keep a creativity notebook yes sometimes i'll i'll scratch it on wherever i am like uh you know a placemat in a restaurant or a napkin or uh but yes i i, I use a lot of legal pads too but but absolutely in a hardbound book i'll i'll try to or on the computer try to uh have my master list of notions and they're all in various stages of development. And the thing is, sometimes I used to, in, in the early days, I would, I would think of some grand idea and just kind of brush it off and not write it down by thinking, oh, it's going to be too expensive or I've, I have no place to perform something this, you know, crazy or big or extravagant. And then I realized that uh, you know, you have to write them all down because someday your circumstances might change and an opportunity drops in your lap and, and, you, and you need it. So what comes first for you? Is it the trick that you try to change and come up with something new or do you start with an effect and then try to figure out methods? That's another thing is sometimes I'll see a classic effect and go, oh, you know what? That could really be updated. Maybe there's some new technology or some new theatrical thing that they would just, you know, make it great. Um, you know, like with the, the sawing, you know, we're actually celebrating, you know, 100 years of that mm -hmm. trick being done. And uh, it's a um, classic effect. Uh, it's gone through a lot of incarnations. But, you know, I was at Mike Caveney's house one time and he said, hey, open up that trunk. And I opened it up and there's all these manuscripts and photos of, of different sawing in half versions throughout the years and he showed me some uh, some photographs of uh, of kind of that method Thurston was going to try it and then he never did 
and then uh, one of Thurston's assistants, after he had passed away, tried it, and they created a version, but it only lasted like uh, a few months. I didn't really like what I saw as far as, you know, it wasn't very uh, fooling the way they actually had made the thing. But then I had said, you know, there's some there's some little notion of really amazing, you know, piece of magic there. So I, I said, well, I want to work on that and try to update it and and try to take it to another place. So after a lot of trial and error, and, you know, it finally turned out to be pretty good. It sounds like Thurston should give you his cape. <laughs> Do you ever have a voice in your head that says that'll never work? All the time. I have people that tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you say? What do you say back to that voice? I just let it, I, I put it in the closet and let it sleep for a couple of days and see if it still feels the same way after my subconscious has a, a few nights to, to play around with it. And come back with a, with a new answer? Yeah, and sometimes I'll I'll be stuck on something, and I go, you know, and I'll think, how would how would uh, Leroy or Jared or or Dakota, you know, approach this problem? So I think it's important to study not only, I mean, you need to know who invented what and and how everything works, and so you need to fill your fill your uh, your brain with all sorts of uh, information, and and uh, you know, it's funny because. Uh, I know so many young people today that they don't read books. They just watch videos and watch YouTube. And, you know, I don't know. There's just so many good things in books that will never be on a video. You mean you have to read? Yeah. Amazing. How did Paris or international traveling influence your creativity? You know, I I would have shows here and there. But once I got to the Crazy Horse, I was doing the same show like three, three times a night, seven nights a week for three months. So you, you just, you get so good at that act that you start to work on the, the super nuances of it. I mean, things don't get really good until you're completely bored with them. <laughs> the only way to do it is to just do it a million times. And, uh, you know, you just, it's a never ending quest to get that last few percent. <laughs> Of, of a trick's potential, you know. And keep pushing and pushing. Yeah, it's never ending. Do you like solving open-ended problems or do you like problems with boundaries? Do either one give you more creative juice? I, I find that if I have some boundaries, uh, it's easier to create. Um, like if you have a specific problem you're trying to solve, like I need, a, I need to figure out some way to get from this trick to this trick. If it's too open, it's just not enough uh, direction, you know. If you have somebody with a, a well-defined character, it, it's kind of easier to write for them than if kind of nebulous, you know. It's, um, I, need, I need some boundaries, yes, but I try to keep an open mind. Right. It's almost counterintuitive, isn't it? The more boundaries you have, the more creativity. Yeah. You know, I have, I have some friends that just always tell me, you know, oh, I'm just not a creative guy and I just can't really come up with ideas. And, and I just think it's baloney. I think everyone can, can teach themselves to be creative and to, to want to do it. It's, it's just extra work instead of just, you know, buying that latest trick uh, on the market and uh, 
you know, why not, why not start in another direction and, and say, what's the most amazing thing I could ever do and try to figure it out and try to work it out backwards from that. And, um, and it's funny, I'll, I'll come up with three or four different methods for, you know, then you have to, to go through each method and say, well, what can be, what are the bad points that can be, you know, hidden and what are the good points that can be accentuated? And sometimes, uh, you know, like with the Chaplin doll, the first method, I've kind of stuck with it. Uh, I tried a couple other methods, like one time I built a, a Chaplin box that was laying on its back with the, the lid open of the case and the body parts were sitting out in front of the case. Antonio was inside uh, like half of the legs and then there was a shell attached to the front of the box. And, and basically I, I was stacking the body outside of the box and he was kind of like getting into part of the costume a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. And on paper it looked pretty clever, like it would like it was going to be great. But then once he got into it and had to do his chaplain character, uh, he was just uh, sorry, dude. I know you spent a lot of time <laughs> and money, but I just can't feel. I'm not feeling the character right now with all this junk on me. You know. Yeah. So now it's a it's a storage box in my house so. <laughs> that you put a lot of blood into. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions for our listeners that are asking how they can be more creative? Can you name a couple ideas for them? Yeah, you know, I just I just think expect from yourself that you're going to you're going to find something new. You just have to be in that state of mind that you you know you can do it and it's going to happen and you just keep your eyes open to everything. I mean, I'll walk down the street and I'll see like a lamp post or some kind of a street light or something and I'll and I'll be thinking, you know, if you put a mirror, you know, between that pole and that pole, you could produce somebody on top of that fence, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll see things out, out in, in, uh, in everyday life that could be tweaked to create some amazing trick. Like, um, I was watching a tennis match on TV one time and, and you know, the, uh, the angle from the, uh, from the, uh, announcer's box, it's kind of at the end of the court. Of one corner, one, yes. One end, up high. Well, you know, if you look at the net, you could have a mirror on the net, right? And there's a like a dead zone from that position behind the mirror, um, where you could have like 15 people laying flat on the court right behind that net. And if you put a person in the back court of each each side, and they were a good tennis player, so they could keep the ball in play, like. Uh, deep in the court you wouldn't you would never know that there was a mirror there right mm -hmm. so the idea was to 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 have a mirror and then on the back of the mirror would be uh, the same surface as the court and uh so then you just have to cover up the you know the uh so then i would be uh i would be where the announcer is kind of behind the camera then i'd kind of peek around to the front and i could just uh, take like a business card or something and then stick it in sideways in front of the camera and turn it sideways so that or you know, uh, facing the camera. And then the people laying on the court could flip the mirror flat on the court and then stand up. And now I just produced 15 people on the middle of an open tennis court, you know, um, and then, uh, 
I, I was writing a, an article with, with Gaetan Bloom for Magic Magazine. Uh, we did like a series of articles, and it was it was kind of a game that we uh, we were playing. Like I would come up with an idea, and then and then he would think about it, and then he would come up with an idea, and I would brainstorm on it. And then in the same issue, we would put the original idea and the brainstorm, so you could see them both at the same time. And when I gave that idea to Gaetan, he said, well, you know what? Why don't you have these tennis players like hit a ball too hard and gets hurt and the guy gets injured one guy gets injured and then you stick the, the business card in and when you do it it's like 15 medical staff and first responders there to take care of the tennis player you know and so it was just a great you know way to uh to dress the routine i think the biggest thing to tell new people is to find people that you trust that you like to brainstorm with and make it fun don't make it a job make it you know make make just just sit sit with them and just start coming up with crazy ideas oh you know i always thought this would be great what about this and then he would say something about what about this and and just think of, of nutty stuff so that it becomes habit and it becomes kind of a game it becomes fun and uh you know i have a weekly meeting i've got three or four uh guys that i that I brainstorm with. Uh, Gaetan Bloom is one. Uh, Raphael from Belgium is another. And Adrian Soler, uh, he lives in Barcelona. So we all hop on Zoom each week and just brainstorm about stuff. And it's it's kind of the highlight of our week. You know, if we're working on something for our own act, you know, we bring it to the group and we go, hey, what do you guys think about this? And now you've got a group of people that you love and trust uh, that that want to see, uh, want to see each of us succeed. So it's, I think finding your, your group would be a great start. Yeah, that's a great idea. And you also said basically change your thinking, change your perspective. Yep. Live with the knowledge that, that you can do it and that you're going to find interesting stuff and just fill your brain with as much as you can about everything. And, and even even things like I was talking with Teller one time about I I said obviously you create the magic and Penn is what creates the comedy and he's and he's basically said well we're both really good at solving different problems you know Penn's really great with the social commentary and the comedy and the stuff and he goes and I'm kind of the deep diver into the methods finding creepy stuff find your group and uh, find your specialties and uh, don't be intimidated by you know, it take, it takes practice. It's a muscle. You have to you have to work it out to get strong. Great advice, Kevin. I'd like to play a little game with you. I like you to design a trick with three more of these items. So it doesn't have to work. It's just a concept. How would you put these three pieces together? Bullfrog, a measuring tape, clown shoe, chocolate cake, flash paper, hamster wheel, and that could be any hamster wheel of any size. And of course, uh, the finale is snow. Any three items you want, you can add more items if you'd like. Three together, uh, see if you can come up with some magical concept. And while you do it, if you can talk out loud, we can hear, you, we can hear your process. Well, let's see. Uh, yeah, I never started this way. Um, I'm being mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I mean, I've always wanted, you know, those we, the wheel of death in the circus where the guy, you know, gets on the wheel. I always wanted to uh, to do one of those, but in a hamster suit. <laughs> Would you be wearing red clown shoes? And eating chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> and people throwing bullfrogs at you? <laughs> <laughs> While it's snowing, yeah. Exactly. Very, very funny. Okay, Mr. Oracle of Creativity, the Magic Business Podcast can be heard at themagicoracle.club. However, today you are our guest oracle. So, Oracle Kevin, what's the one important question someone should ask you but never does? Sure. The one question, something we should all think about is why. That's the big question is, you know, why are we doing this effect and why should the audience care about it? Answer that question whenever you're trying to decide if you're going to put something in your show or not. You'll be more in a uh, better direction to create something compelling. Kevin, it was an absolute blast having you on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Roland. And thank you for listening to our Magic Business Podcast. Please visit themagicoracle.club where you can hear all the Magic Business Podcasts and enjoy a vast array of additional magical knowledge as well as find live magic shows near you. Today, we'll leave you with a message from the avant-garde pop artist, Andy Warhol, who said, you have to do stuff that average people don't understand because those are the only good things worth doing. As always, we at The Magic Oracle wish you great success doing good things on your path in the magical arts.